we're obviously here tonight to honor you guys, but we're also here to hear from a man who's number 34, now hangs in the TD Garden rafters. He helped bring Banner 17 to Boston when he was named MVP of the 2008 NBA Finals. The Celtics defeating Kobe Bryant and the Lakers in six games. He wound up earning 10 All-Star nods. It was a four-time All-NBA team member. Seacoast, are you ready? Are you guys ready? Ladies and gentlemen, the truth, Paul Pierce. This is awesome. How about that? That's awesome. This is awesome. So you're sitting here right now. I'm Ryan O'Leary. I'm the sports editor of SMG. This is Jay Pinsano, one of our sports reporters. Jay, why don't you kick us off? Well, well first I want to say yeah, go. congratulations to all these great athletes. I mean, um, you know, everything that you earned tonight, you, you earned it. I mean, you know, you should be thankful for that. Uh, being in a position, your hard work you put in throughout the year. Congratulations. And, you know, strive for greatness. What's it, what's it been like meeting all, the, meeting all the winners backstage? What's that been like? Um, you know, I, I had a little bit of nervous energy, but you don't have to be nervous around me. I'm a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I was a kid in this situation. I, um, you know, I worked hard in the younger days in high school, and I attended award ceremonies, and I was able to, um, you know, see the dream. You know, I had a dream when I was growing up, and through continuous hard work, I was able to, to achieve that dream. And uh, Paul, you talk about hard work and perseverance. Uh, it's been said that you were cut from your high school basketball yeah. team, your freshman and sophomore seasons. You, by the end of your junior season, you were one of the best players on yeah. your team. If you could talk about first getting cut for those first two years and having the drive and determination to to work and get on that team the following season. Yeah, it was a situation where I was. I was very competitive and, um, you know, I had an opportunity to play varsity as a sophomore and I thought I was good enough, but, you know, obviously when I sat back, I wasn't good enough. So I, I saw what I had to do. I saw the players above me. I saw how hard I had to work to get to that level. And that was something that just drove me and motivated me. You know, I would go to the high school rankings all the time. They had different high school rankings and my name was never on the list for top sophomores or juniors. And I was like, I'm going to be on this list. I always envisioned it before it happened. You know, I saw it happening, and I don't know, you know, some of you great athletes out here probably understand what I'm saying. You have to see it first happening to you before you achieve it, I believe. You know, and so I constantly said that to myself. I'm going to be on this list. I'm going to be on the varsity. And so the next year, that summer, I worked my butt off and... You know, I, I, I sacrificed a lot of times being with my friends and family just to um, go to the track, go to the, to the beach and run on the sand just so I can get stronger, faster, better. Uh, because I had goals that I wanted to achieve. And, um, you know, if you can just block out all the, like, distractions and you really want to achieve something and you put in your mind you want to achieve it, you can really do it. <clears throat> and that's what happened for me. So 2008... You're an NBA champion, and I, re I remember this vividly. Uh, you, you got a question from someone, they asked you, you know, is Kobe Bryant the best player in the world? And you said, no, I'm the best player in the world. <laughs> I think you rattled some people with that comment. Um, yeah, well, I remember exactly when it was asked to me, I had, um, we won the championship, and that summer I did a camp in Madrid, Spain. 
And so the reporters were saying, you just won a championship. You just played against the best player in the world. And I was like, wait, you know, I have the trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the championship. Why? I have the MVP. Mm-hmm. Why am I not the best player? Right, right. And so that's how it came out. And, uh, you know, that's what I believed. I mean, so, you know, if I went into that series, like, saying, you know, oh, my goodness, this is the best player, you know, I'd be scared. You know, no. I was like, you know, I want to take on this challenge. I want to see if I can outplay this guy. And, you know, sometimes, you know, hard work prevails over talent. You know, Kobe Bryant is one of the most talented players. Not to say he doesn't work hard, but, you know, I'm not as talented as Kobe, but I know I, I, I was able to outwork him in that series. Absolutely. And, and, you were, and you were confident, right? You were confident. And I feel like... And, and here's where I wanted to go with that question. Because now... You know, I've been watching you after the NBA Finals games on TV, and, and you're still rattling people, uh, Paul, with your, with your comments. Your social media is blowing up. Everyone, everyone wants to know what the truth said in the post game. You're rattling people all the time. I mean, you're taking that, I feel like you're taking that same confident approach into your, your job as an analyst. So what's that been like, uh, you know, going from player to analyst, and how much fun are you having right now? It's been fun. You know, I'm, I'm not playing a game of basketball, but now I get to still be around it, talk about it. Um, you know, still travel, be watch the greatest players in the world. And by the way, I was the only one that picked Toronto in six. And yeah, so, yeah. you know. You let people know. <laughs> but, you know, I've been around the game so long, sometimes I can see things that other people can't see. Now, they didn't so have you Kevin saw, Durant. You saw Klay Thompson going down. No, I didn't see Klay Thompson going down. But, like, that team is an all-time great team, I'm saying, in the Warriors. But without Durant, they're not the same. It's even playing field. And I just felt like Toronto had the best player in Kawhi over Steph, over Klay, Cousins. And the way he was playing going into the finals, you know, usually you hit a game winner, then he was dominant. That carries on throughout the playoffs. You know, I had that feeling, and, and I saw it in his eyes, and that's why I made that prediction. And uh, you went to Inglewood High School. Mm-hmm. Your high school miles away from the Forum. Grew up a <laughs> yeah. Lakers fan. Um, 1998, you're in the NBA draft. The Clippers have the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Lakers are somewhere in the mid-20s, and there's Boston sitting at 10. And names are being rattled off, and... You as a Inglewood guy mm-hmm. being drafted by the Boston Celtics. How was that? How was Man. that? And how was your first reactions to being drafted by a team that you probably grew up hating? You know, it was like the initial reaction. So I was projected. I don't know if people know the story. I was an All-American in college. Um, I, can, I think I finished like second or third in player of the year. So I was projected to go top five, number two possibly. To At the time, it was the Vancouver Grizzlies. And so once the five top five names got called, I didn't work out for the rest of the the rest of the six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams. So it's like I'm in the draft room, like you know, I don't know where I'm going now. So I'm scratching my head, looking around, <laughs> like I don't have a clue. And so Chauncey Billups is a good friend of mine. He gets drafted to the Celtics the year before, and I was in college because when we were in college, he said, Paul, we were both top freshmen. We're both top sophomores. We're like, we're going to go to the NBA together if we have an opportunity. He says his sophomore year, Paul, I'm leaving. So I was like, Chauncey, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to stay one more year. So he gets drafted to the Boston Celtics. So I call him, I'm asking him, you know, how's training camp? Rick Pitino was the coach. I said, how's training camp going? How's the NBA? He was like, man... 
we, we finished training camp and 10 guys were put on IVs from dehydration. And I said, it's that hard? I was like, man. Fast forward next year, Paul Pierce to the Boston Celtics. All I'm thinking is IVs. That's all. That's, I'm like, oh my, oh man, I'm gonna be on an IV. I gotta get in shape. Oh man, I'm thinking I'm gonna die out here. That's all I was thinking. That's all I was thinking. So that's that's true story. I was walking to the stand. I'm like, man, I'm be on this IV, man. I that's that's why you were so good. That's why you're so good right for the jump. <laughs> I mean, I, we don't know. I don't know how much inside information you have. It looks like Kyrie's gone from the Celtics mm-hmm. right now. We know Anthony Davis isn't coming because he's a Laker. Uh, the Celtics have gotten some free agents, recent history, mm-hmm. Al Horford, Gordon Hayward. But it just seems like the big stars, uh, they, they'd rather be in L.A. They'd rather be in New York. You love Boston. Mm-hmm. I know KG loved Boston, right? Uh, but why do you think it's so hard? for Danny Ainge and, and that crew to get the big stars to come and, and in Kyrie's case to stay? Well, um, I, I don't think it's the city that has anything to do with it because I think it's the, uh, the culture you provide, the organization, management. I think that really has a lot to do with um, where stars want to play because, I mean, in recent years, I mean, if L.A. was such a great destination, then, you know, they'd missed the playoffs the last six years. So... I mean, <laughs> I mean, if New York, if New York was such a great place to play and everybody wanted to be there, I can't remember the last time the Knicks made the playoffs. Right. So, you know, I think it's about the organization. You know, we've had some, you have some good years, some bad years. So I don't think it's um, anything to do with the Boston Celtics because I know a lot of players who get traded here. Once they're in here, they see the tradition. They, they see how the fans are, the city. They love it. You know, Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, you know, just like any kind of relationship. And back in 1995, you were in the McDonald's uh, All-Star Game with with Kevin Garnett. Uh, 13 years later, you guys reunite for that special uh, 2008 season. Mm -hmm. If you could just talk about Banner 17 and the Celtics, I think, went 21 years between Mm -hmm. titles. Just talk about that season that you and Ray and KG had together and bringing the title back to Boston? You know, that was uh, a special group. Um, I remember when we made the trade for Ray Allen that summer, so me and him immediately got on the phone and was talking like, you know, we can do something special here. Um, You know, we're hearing that we can get Kevin, then all of a sudden, like, we get Kevin now, we're all three on the phone. I'm talking about we talking every day. Um, you know, we're older at this point. Uh, we've been to all-star games. Kevin's one's MVPs, defensive player. And we're just like, man, what do we want out of all this? You know, we, we want to win a championship. And so we're like, you know, let's get to Boston early. Let's get there early September, bring the guys together, start playing pickup games. Let's start getting to know one another, going out to eat. And, you know, that started the bond with us. You know, we had all the young guys in. We are like, look, we're going to play pickup. So this is a funny story. So this is one good story. That's what so we look. want, Paul. That's what we want. We want, <laughs> so, all. We want it like, all. Usually, you know, teams get together September before the coaches could come in there and start coaching you. We, we're playing pickup games. And usually when you do pickup games, you have two captains. And you're like, all right, you pick him, you pick him. So the teams are balanced. So first day we get the whole team in there. And first pickup game, I'm like, all right, you know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do the teams. 
Um, it's going to be me, Kevin, Ray, Rondo, and Perk. All right, y'all put together another five, but this is our five right here. So it was like, hey, we got to start getting used to playing with one another right now before the season started. But usually it wouldn't go like that. You know, you have Kevin on one side, me on one side, right? You'll even it out. So it was like from the start, we was like developing that chemistry. We're like, we're going to play together these first four weeks in September. So we get to October training camp. And then when the season started, when training camp started, when preseason games started, if you just noticed how well we clicked right away, it's like we got off to such a fast start because that was the foundation right there. We got there early. We played together. We talked every day. Every day wasn't always smooth. You know, guys didn't always get along. But the great thing about the team was if I had a disagreement with Kevin, if I had a disagreement or Kevin had a disagreement with Rondo or Ray, we would talk it out right there. We'd be like, let's go talk it out. We'll move on from it. From it and we'll move on to the next game or the next day. And that was the one special thing that I've never seen from a team because usually, you know, everybody, you guys play sports, you get into it with a teammate, you kind of hold a grudge, you won't talk to that teammate for a few days. No, we nipped it in the bud right there, right after the game, right after practice, let's talk, why are, why are we like this? Move on from it. And that's what, that's what I really think made it special. And now winning that season, did that mean as much as you thought it was going to be or did it... Did it, did it go, oh, did man. it exceed your, it, your thoughts? It, it was everything I wanted. All I ever wanted was an opportunity. You know, I said in so many years of being here, it took 10 years just to be able to be on a team that really just had its first opportunity. And so to really just have that opportunity the first time around was like, all right, that's all we talked about this season. We're going to win the championship, win the championship. We were on all the preseason magazines. That's all I wanted, and I wanted to do it here. You know, you see so many times, guys, it doesn't work out for them. The first time around, they, they jump ship. You know, I wanted it to happen here. You know, I put so much work into the game of basketball here in Boston, the things I was able to do off the court, in the community. I invested too much to move forward, to move on, and, and, and that's why I wanted that to happen right here in the city. We could, as fans, we could only see so much of it. Mm-hmm. But how much of an animal was KG? Like oh, behind man. the scenes, like I'm what was it? What was it like just getting to know that man? He's the best teammate ever. <laughs> like people think he's mean. You know, spit comes out his mouth, sweat everywhere. A lot of sweat. Yeah, but he is the nicest person in the world. Like the the one thing I noticed, like everybody always just gravitated toward him. And it was just like, you be in the locker room after practice, everybody get ready to go home. Then you look up, two hours then went by, and it's like a campfire around Cat Kevin. Everybody's just like listening to his stories. You got chairs all around him. The same thing on the plane. You be on the plane, you know, I might be listening to some of my headphones, and I look up, you got all the young guys. It's like a campfire just sitting around Kevin like. <laughs> like listening to his stories. He just captivated the whole room, man. And just everybody just gravitated toward him. And, and, you know, that was just fun to be around to hear his stories. And so from like being around him so many years, you know, and then you have different teammates, he's telling the same story. So I heard the same story. I was like, all right, I heard this one before. But then 
he would change it up sometimes, you know, to make it sound better. <laughs> and I was like, come on, Kev, that didn't happen. I'd have heard this story like 20 times. It, how it get different? <laughs> so that was the fun part about being around him. And uh, when you hear Paul Pierce, you hear the truth. Mm-hmm. That, that nickname was bestowed upon you by Shaquille O'Neal. I think it was your third season when he mm-hmm. scored 42 points against the Lakers. When you first heard that nickname, did you like it? Did you think it was going to stick? And I mean, I didn't know really what to think. Um, you know, it was in the newspaper that, you know, Paul Pierce is the truth. You know, come, you know when it comes from Shaq, I mean, come on. Shaq, Shaq was the most dominant force. You know, people hated playing against him. It was like, whoa, this came from Shaq. <laughs> so, you know, after that, you know, I'm in the game and my teammates start calling me Truth. I'm like, you know, I like that. Okay. <laughs> I got a little nickname. You know, you made it when you got a nickname in the NBA. So I was like, man, I already, I made, hey, I must have made it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was only your third year. In my third year. <laughs> Now, now, Paul, a huge part of your uh, story, I don't know how much you wanted to go into this tonight, but mm-hmm. year 2000, that, that stabbing incident, mm-hmm. you stabbed 11 times, didn't miss a game that season, which was unbelievable, uh, but that, became, that becomes part of kind of your, your bio, right, your pro bio, because uh, you had to overcome that. I know you, you spoke out about it, you suffered some anxiety, some PTSD mm-hmm. from that, so I guess my question was, how much did that shape the rest of your life and career, that, that incident? Well, like the first year, um, you know, I didn't come out the house. It was just like, you know, I was like kind of traumatized from it, you know, uh, just thankful that I even lived through it. Um, I had like a police in front of my house 24 hours. And all I did was go to the gym and come home, go to the gym and come home. And it was just like, that's all I had at the time, you know. So it was just like, I want to do everything I could to get on the court because, because for those three, four hours, I was at peace. It was just like, I didn't think about it. It was just like, you know, I can just play the game of basketball, feel free. And I wanted to do everything I could to be on the court. And so, you know, just being able to play the game of basketball kind of like saved my life. You know, I could have probably went into like a deep depression um, because if I didn't have the game, you know, it's like, it's like my sanctuary. The court was like my sanctuary. And it was just like, even when I, the game wasn't going on, and I remember times just going to the, to the court at like midnight because I couldn't sleep. And I spent like two or three hours in the gym. And it made me better. But it also took my mind off, you know, such a traumatic, uh, you know, event that took place in my life. And so I'm happy that I got through it. And uh, like I said, you know, playing the game of basketball pretty much saved my life. I'm sure there's some young people in here that go through anxiety and suffer through that. What, what, do, you, what do you tell young people? What, what message would you deliver to young people who suffer from stuff like that? You know, find something that, you know, just like brings peace to you. You know, for me, it was the game of basketball. For me, it was my mother. You know, people who are close to you that you can talk to, talk to about it. I think a long time I didn't talk about it, but as I years passed and I started to talk about it more, it made me feel better because I was able to express it more. You know, sometimes we go through things and we hold it in and, you know, that's not the most healthy thing for us because it's just there building up. It's building up. I encourage you to just let it out. Go to somebody you're comfortable with talking to 
about, you know, expressing yourself uh, to them about. And I, and I promise you, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll bring some ease to your mind. It'll bring, it'll help you release it, um, definitely. And in, uh, in two years, you are eligible to be enshrined into the NBA Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass, mm -hmm. with the best players to ever play the game of basketball. When you think of that, when you think <coughs> of joining the best players that ever played the game, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? You, you know what I tell people about that? Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, Paul, you're a future Hall of Famer. And I'm saying, you know, maybe, but... For me to have my number in the Boston Celtic Garden, if I don't get nothing else, and I know I said this in my speech, if, if I don't get anything else, like you said, Hall of Fame is some of the best players in the world, but so is being up there in the Boston Garden, it too. So, <laughs> so you know, that, but that, if I, if I was to make the Hall of Fame, that would be a tremendous honor also. But I just feel like being in that garden is a tremendous honor also. So we can't, I, you can't beat that. No, you can't. <laughs> so I've been up here talking to Paul Pierce. This is awesome. I want to share this experience with y'all. So let's, oh, let's see if we can get some lights, Paul. You can actually see who's in here. It's crazy. Yeah. Look, at there's a lot of people. Yeah, if anyone has a question awesome. for Paul, we're going to open it up to the audience. You guys can ask Paul a few a questions. I covered a lot. <laughs> so uh, we, we do have, if, if you want to ask Paul a question, please come up, approach the, uh, the stage right over here to the left. Don't be shy. How often do you have a chance oh, to ask the oh. truth a question? We have, we, have a, we have a brave soul coming down. Here he comes. Oh, we have a mic right here. We have a mic right here. Go. Hi, Paul. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm Chris, and I'm from Exeter. And my question is, my question is, when you hit the game winner against the Wizards, I mean, no, against the Hawks, did you call bank or did you call game? Come on, man. You know I call game. I call game. Hi, I'm Ari from uh, Spalding, and I was wondering if you plan to be a coach in the future. Um, man, coaching is so hard. You know, I'll coach maybe my son, but I, I never, I never dreamed of being a coach. Um, I don't know if I have the patience. I know I can teach, but I don't know if I have the patience for being a coach. I, I don't know. I think um, if anything, I would, I would love to be like maybe like president or general manager. But coaching, I see how hard it was on Doc, and I wouldn't, you know, Doc was good, you know, at managing personalities. But it goes beyond X's and O's. You know, you 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 managing so much uh, every day, and it takes up so much of your life. Um, I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I saw how hard Doc had to work, and I and I watched him every day. You know, as a player, say you got to practice at 11, so players get there maybe an hour too early. Nine o'clock. Coaches are there at like eight o'clock. Practice is over at one. Coaches leave the gym at like five in the evening, and I'm like. Man, they, they work just as hard as us. I mean, man, man, it's like playing the game again. I got to spend some time with my kids. Hi, I'm Brian from Dover, New Hampshire. Um, would you consider uh, being Ice Cube's uh, Big Three League? Wait, say that again? Would, would you consider uh, joining Ice Cube's oh, oh, Big Three? Oh, the Big three? three League? You know what? This is what I think about the Big Three. 
If I join the big three, I'll give those guys an opportunity that I used to beat up on all the time, an opportunity to get back at me. And I'm not going to give them that opportunity anymore. <laughs> Got you. Oh, oh, okay. What's good, Paul? Um, What's good? Alex, uh, how do you like Portsmouth? <laughs> oh, I, just, I mean, I just got here, but I'll tell you, this is a fantastic crowd, man. This is pretty. I like this. <laughs> I feel like some very special things have been done on this stage. Why am I on it? Why am I on the stage? Performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. What's up, Paul? What up? My name is Nick, I'm from Portsmouth, and I just wanted to know what you said to Al Harrington when you hit that three-point shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, remember that. I was like, hey, you know you can't guard me, homie. What you doing? <laughs> well, you know what I'm about to do? I pointed right here, I said, what? Look, look what I'm about to do. I'm about to dribble right over here and pull this up right in your face, and nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, The Truth, what's up, man? What um, up? I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you so much. I got your uh, Kansas jersey on over here. Sweet. <laughs> What'd you eat the night before you got sick in the finals? <laughs> Paul, I was letting the audience ask sick. you this one. I didn't get sick in the finals. <laughs> He's talking about the wheelchair, right? You're talking about the wheelchair? Oh, I wasn't sick. Did I look sick? <laughs> No, see, people ask me, and, you know, there's so many stuff that's made up in social media, you know, all these things, and, you know, you know that was a real injury. If people don't know, um, a strained meniscus, that's what, it actually, that's what the actual injury was. But let me tell you this. When you make the NBA Finals, and it's your first time making it there after I've been in the league 10 years. You don't know if you'll ever get back. When I was on the floor, I was like, you know, I want to stand up and walk. The doctor was like, no, let them carry you. See, these are stories people don't know. <laughs> I said, I want to be able to stand up. They was like, no. I said, it's just a little, if you, like usually if you injure your knee, you won't be able to bend it. I, my knee was bent when it was carrying me. I was just like, there's some soreness in here and I heard a little pop. The doctor was being very cautious with it. And I was like, man, I need to stand up. It's just a little soreness. It's almost like a light sprain in your knee. So I get to the back. And he was just like, oh, get on the table. And I was just like, no, I want to stand up. If I could put my weight on it, I'm going back out there. This is the NBA Finals. I, I might not ever get this chance again. I stood up, and I put my whole weight on it. You know, that's how you can tell if you have an injury, how bad it is. And I was like, it's not that bad. I can deal it. And then your adrenaline is flowing. It's like, man, this is the NBA Finals. I put my weight on it. I snatched the knee brace off. I put it on, and I ran out, like, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to be in the NBA Finals and perform. So that's how that all went. <laughs> oh. uh, hi, Paul. Uh, I'm Joey from Winnicunit. Um I was asking you if uh, you really think that you're better than Dwayne Wade. You know what? People say, you know, Dwayne Wade has more accomplishments. Yes, he's been on 
three championships teams, but what made me as a player, just like when I won the MVP, that I feel like I was the best player in the world, yes. The things I've said and the things I've done is what made me. If I didn't believe these things, I wouldn't achieve what I think what I was able to achieve. Yes, does he have more accomplishments? Yes. Has he been on more teams? I mean, more, um, has he had more great players on his teams? Absolutely. But if you ask me if I believe that, that's just who I am. I believe it. <laughs> sure. Uh, Paul, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Scott. If you could pick uh, a team of Celtics that you'd like to play with from history, the Celtics, who would that be? Pick a, a team or a player? A starting five? Oh, man, I would have loved to play on that uh, 81, 84, 86. Oh, man, maybe 86. I think that might be one of the greatest teams ever. Yep. 86. <laughs> yeah. To be on the side of Larry Bird and Dennis Johnson and Kevin McHale. Oh, man. That would have been pretty awesome. I'm nodding my head like I saw that team. I was one. <laughs> and now, uh, Paul, uh, but going back to teammates, uh, um, the Boston Celtics uh, family lost one recently with John Havlicek. Yeah. If, if you could just speak on your relationship with Hondo. Man, um, I had a chance to meet a lot of the NBA, uh, the former uh, Celtic greats, and John Havlicek was one of the nicest persons that you can ever meet. Um, I remember the first time he came into the locker room, and you know, I looked, I knew, I knew exactly who it was because every time a new Celtic great come in here, I kind of got like nervous because it was like, you know, I'm living in the shadows of all of this when I first get there. And uh, he, he welcomed me in with open arms. And I know he lived in Florida. He was like, Paul, whenever you're in Florida, my son, if you ever want to go to Disney's World, he works for Disney, you can get free, <laughs> free pass to Disney. I was like, oh, this is awesome being a Celtic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from him to Bob Cousy to Bill Russell, Satch Sanders, Tommy Heinsohn, these guys, you know, once you're part of the family, you're part of the family. And, you know, John was... Um, had a very warm at heart. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for him because, you know, a lot of things that we do as Boston Celtics, we, you know, we, we're chasing greatness of, of the past players. You know, you want to live up to what they were ever to bring. And, you know, he really uh, exemplified what it meant to be a Celtic. Back to the crowd. All right, this is the last audience question. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Avery, and I'm from uh, Greenland. And I want to know uh, what it felt like when you first found out that you could play basketball professionally. Um, <clears throat> well, this, I, um, so like, before you could go to high, like from the NBA, you could go from high school to NBA. Kevin Garnett, like, broke all of that rules when I was in high school. So I remember being in high school, and all I ever wanted to do was go to college, you know, it was just like one step at a time. And when I was a junior, after my junior year, I took such a big leap. Um, my junior year, I was winning like, the, uh, at the end of my junior year, I won player of, the award, player of the Year awards over a lot of the seniors in the state of California. And I remember <clears throat> uh, 
my high school coach, I'm, I'm there playing basketball in the summertime, and all I'm thinking about is just going to college and, you know, I want to just go to college. And I'm playing basketball with my high school coach. He's passing me the ball, hot summer day. And he was like, you know what, Paul, one day you can go to the NBA. I don't say this to a lot of kids, but one day, and at that point, I didn't really think about the NBA. And once he said that from that point on, I remember like yesterday, he put the dream in my head. And I was just like, I th- I, you know, this is probably something I can do. You know, my coach, you know, was somebody I looked up to. He was a mentor to me. And when he said that, that's when I started believing it. And after my freshman year in college, I was one of the top freshmen. I was like, yeah, I can, I can make it. All right, Paul, last question. Last question. You've been awesome. But at this point in your life, like, you probably would never get asked this question. It's appropriate tonight. Your favorite high school memory. Go back at the time bang, man. Wow. What was your, what's your favorite one that you, that you remember right now? What memory? pops in your head? Oh, my goodness. It's See, no one's asked you that in 20 years. 20? I haven't I been in high 40. school in like 30. <laughs> now, let me see. My favorite high school memory. Okay, that's a good one. That's an easy one. My sophomore year, my first dunk. Uh, I couldn't dunk all year long, and it came down to the last game of the season. And I caught the pass. I was running down the middle on the fast break. I was 6'4 at the time, and I caught the pass from my best friend. And I just went up and dunked it. And I dunked it, and I was like, I yelled like to the top of my lungs. And it was just like, man, I went home, told my mom. She didn't come to that game. She had to work that night. I was like, I got my first dunk tonight, mom. Then after that, we went to the playoffs. I got a dunk in every game. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the truth. <laughs> oh, man, thank you.